guess I'll just come out and say it. Um, I love you. <laughs> Feels good to say. You know, we've been uh, working our way up to this moment. I know there's been some pressure on me to say it, but uh, there it is. I love you. We've been doing it long enough. I figured I'll just start off the episode and say what you needed me to say this whole time. I love you. Yeah. Ah, feels good to say it. It's episode 143, which actually means I love you. In the old world of pager talk, I, one letter, love, four letters, you, three letters. You drop 143 on somebody? Pop it in their pager? That was serious. In the 90s, that was not a joke. Get a little buzz on your hip. Look down. Oh, shit. She just wrote 143. Sounds like we're taking this relationship to the next level. Sounds like we're taking this podcast to the next level. Episode 143. It's full of love. It's full of love. And as the Beatles told us many years ago, love is all you need. I guess scientifically they were totally incorrect. You do need a few more things, but I like the message. I mean, you need food, you need sleep, you need oxygen, you need good entertainment too. Let's be honest, you need a good show. You need a good show to capture your attention once in a while. And I finally found a good show, but I almost didn't make it through the first episode. It's called The Mayor of East Town on HBO. Now, HBO, in my opinion, probably head and shoulders above the rest. I mean, that's how it's always been, right? HBO? Those three sacred letters? HBO shows, HBO documentaries, movies, they're just better. So here you have Kate Winslet. Oh, Kate the powerhouse. Now, I never saw Titanic because, well, I never wanted to see Titanic. But I did see Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, so I know who Kate is. And she's awesome. And she's the star of this show called The Mayor of Easttown. Why is it called The Mayor? Uh, oh, God. I guess that's her name. Short for Mary. Probably should have watched a little more intently. But they call her Mayor. And Easttown, we're talking Philly. We're talking Pennsylvania. And it's a murder mystery. She's a detective. The writing is really good. The plot is gripping. It's really well done. But... Going for that Philly accent? Here's Kate Winslet. We all know she's British. We all know she could do that classic American accent, which I claim to have, but the Philly accent? It got annoying in a hurry. Check if he's home. Check if he's home. He doesn't look good. Give him some water. Just give him a little water. And I'm like, yikes. A lot of critical acclaim for this? Did he call you on the phone? He called you on the phone, didn't he? Well, I think we all need a water break and then we'll all get back on the phone when we get him. I'm just like, stop it. Stop, stop, stop this. Stop this accent, Kate. Because nobody else in the show seemed to have the accent at first. And then by episode four, five, six, now everybody's trying it and going full throttle him, talking on the phone. And it was almost a little hacky the way everybody was drinking Rolling Rock and wearing Philadelphia Eagles and Philadelphia Flyers gear. And just eating cheesesteaks. You're like, okay, we get it. You're in Philly. We get it. We, we get it. We get it. We get it. It's not like everybody in their hometown just has to constantly be eating the signature menus of that city. And wearing the sports teams of that city. And she's just so unhealthy. I mean, that's fine. But 
just nonstop drinking those rolling rocks, hitting that vape pen, the jewel, the puff bar, whatever it is, just nonstop vape pen, puff bar, rolling rock. She doesn't smile the entire show. There's a dark haze over the whole show. It's a heavy show. We're talking about a murder mystery, but it was tough to get into it because of that accent. What the hell is that accent? Mare? Mare, what's your favorite song? It's got to be Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Somewhere over the rainbow. Yikes. I've always liked the Scarecrow. Cowardly Lion's really good too. Tin Man's fine. But Dorothy and Toto. Toto. Especially when Toto needs some water. It's a good scene. It's distracting, right? Even if the plot is good and the writing's good, how do you get past that? Move. I'm going home. I saw you. I saw you. You were there the whole time, drinking water. You were drinking water the whole time. I'm going to go home. Felt a little forced, all right? And I know she's going to get a lot of awards for this. And I know once I made it through episode two, I was just like hooked. She was so disgruntled. She's a detective, but every time... She had to go to work. She just looked frustrated. Oh, no. There was a classic hand in your gun and badge scene. Every single detective show has to have that scene, right? Gun and badge, mare. Here you go. Here's my firearm and my badge. I'm going to Gino's to have a cheesesteak and watch the Sixers taking on the Toronto Raptors tonight. This is the most obscure recommendation, but check out that show. Trust me. I know I'm just ripping it apart, but it's so fucking good. Check it out. All right. You know what's weird? We're getting to the end of the pandemic. I feel it. You feel it. We're getting to the end. It's been grueling, but light at the end of the tunnel. We're getting to the end. And now we're starting to see how many people, how many businesses have kind of used it as a crutch. I don't mean to sound insensitive. I fully understand That COVID has impacted many people, many lives, many businesses. However, have you had one moment where you were dealing with somebody, maybe at a store, maybe just in the general public, and they used the old COVID-19 excuse and it didn't really fit? Like it didn't make any logical sense? I bought my wife's wedding ring at Macy's. And we were at Macy's and my wife walked by the jewelry counter and she asked for their customary cleaning. You're allowed. If you buy your jewelry at Macy's, you could periodically go in and ask for it to be cleaned. And the lady's like, yeah, we're not cleaning jewelry. We're not doing rings right now because of COVID. And we just nod and go, oh, okay. Okay. Wait, what? Why not? Like, What happened to your ring cleaner? COVID got it? I have so many examples. I went to Big Five. I was looking for running shoes. I picked a pair of Nike Air Pegasus. And I asked the guy, do you have these in a size 10 and a half? He went back, you know, when they go back to the back room, he comes back and he says, yeah, we only have a right. He didn't have the left shoe. He only had the right in a 10 and a half. And I was like, um, any explanation? Like why? And he's just like, shit, man, COVID-19. I was like, what? How's that fit? COVID-19. COVID took the left and he just slowly nodded. Yeah. COVID. Okay. I'm at Subway three weeks ago, going down the line, going down the line. Let me get wheat, 
I'm going to go tuna, American cheese, pickle, lettuce, tomato, onion. Girl looks at me like, onion? Yeah, we're not doing onion lately. The whole pandemic has been really difficult, so we're not doing onion. I said, what the fuck does that mean? No onion because of COVID-19? I could buy onions. I found onions at the grocery store. I'm going to bring you an onion. I need to bring my onions to Subway. She had all the pickle, lettuce, tomato, olives you need. All the pickle, lettuce, tomato. And then onion. Yeah, see, when COVID hit, it came from Wuhan. I'm like, I don't need the history lesson. I know, but did your manager just tell you, we're not buying onions anymore. Just let them know. COVID. We're conditioned right now. We are. We're conditioned to just back away if COVID is the reason for something. And my students know it. My students know it. My darling angels couldn't do their homework. COVID. Okay. I hand them an assignment. I just hand them an assignment. Hey, could you read this? Could you read this? Now they don't read it. Some of them don't read it. And by the end of class, they tell me, yeah, wish I could, man. But uh, COVID, Mr. Rosenberg, you know, COVID. I go, I know, I know COVID. Are we still doing the compassionate teacher doesn't want to stress you out phase of the school year? We're still doing that. Okay. Okay. We'll find a way. We'll find a way to teach you what you need to be taught to move you through the school. I don't mean to sound insensitive. I've been hyper aware and hypersensitive throughout the whole pandemic, understanding fully that COVID has robbed a lot of people of big events, big money, big milestones. COVID has ravaged the world. But in this last phase, I think some people are just hanging on by a thread to the old COVID excuse. Looking for area rugs? A few weeks ago, I asked the lady at Macy's. I just asked her, hey, we're looking for this, but in like a 9 by 12. And she's like, whoa, 9 by 12 during a pandemic, pal? No, we got 5 by 8. We have a 5 by 8 area rug, but you take that 9 by 12 bullshit and get out of my store. No, you're not doing big area rugs? Sir, you get the fuck out of here with that nonsense. Big area rugs during COVID-19. Shit. I'm at the dry cleaners this morning. All right, now I'm just going to start lying. I'm at the dry cleaners this morning. I got this big ink stain on a white jacket. The guy says, we're not doing ink stains. I says to him, I says to him, what kind of stains are you doing? He says, red wine, blood, and ice cream. I go, what the fuck? You're not doing ink? He goes, hey, pal, coronavirus. And I just slowly backpedal out of there. All right, that didn't happen. You go to the duck pond to feed the ducks nowadays. A lot of signs out there. A lot of signs, don't feed the ducks. COVID-19, don't feed the ducks. Why don't you ask the ducks, all right, if they give a shit about COVID-19. The ducks are getting stale bread from the Rosenberg family. Let me tell you that right now, all right? All those don't feed the duck signs, COVID-19, the ducks are getting fed. All right, sometimes we got to break a few COVID rules. I'm at Orange Julius today, right? Mm, this sounds like another lie. I'm at Orange Julius today, okay, right? I go right up to the guy, so I have a large Orange Julius. Fuck face looks me right in the eyes. He goes, uh, yeah, we're just not doing cups. So do you have something I could put the drink in? I say to him, what do you mean you don't have cups? And he said, yeah, COVID-19, we don't have cups, but we're still blending the Orange Julius drinks. So if you bring a Tupperware, 
maybe your own blender I could transfer that into, coffee thermos, really anything could help us out. Because, yeah, we're not doing cups. You're not doing cups? And I'm not really at Orange Julius? Let's think of more things. Let's think of more things. I'm getting an oil change two days ago, right? I bring my car right into the oil change area where they tell you to drive slowly, drive slowly into that little lane. The lady has an axe. And as I'm pulling in, she completely swings it right into my windshield and shatters the whole thing. And I go, what are you doing? I'm not here for that. I'm here for an oil change. And she says, COVID-19. I said, what kind of horror movie is this? You have an axe instead of a proper oil change for me? And now I need to fix the windshield? She said, hey, times are tough. We need to spice things up around here. Sorry, that doesn't make sense. It's a little late. All right, it's a little late. Movie theaters now open. About a week ago, I'm at the movie theater, right? I'm trying to see Nomadland again, right? Just at the movie theater. I'm trying to see Nomadland again. They put on Time Cop, the old Jean-Claude Van Damme movie where he does that classic split scene and it doesn't make sense because it's not really about time or a cop. They just show Time Cop instead of Nomadland at the theater. I get up out of my seat. I find the theater manager. I say, hey, pal. I grab him by his red jacket and I start shaking him in his red jacket and he starts sweating. He says, sir, sir, I'm sorry. All we have is time cop. We just put it on loop. I said, you give me my 12 bucks back. Why the hell would you put on time cop when I'm trying to watch Francis McDormand with that powerhouse performance? And he says, COVID-19. No, okay, you know, it's tough. I'm, I'm stuck in this. How do I navigate out of this rant? Oh, yeah. Uh, last time on Here We Go, in episode 142, I brought up a kayaker who was attempting, oh, you know, the old Marin to Hawaii journey. You know, the old 70 days in a kayak where you sleep in your kayak and you eat in your kayak and you go to the bathroom all over yourself in a kayak and eventually you realize that the idea is fucking nuts and you got to turn back. Well, that actually happened. This is the actual story. All right, his name is Cyril, our favorite Frenchman. He says, au revoir, and he leaves Marin. I'll see you back. 100 days. And they all wave to Cyril de Ramon, the 44-year-old. 70 days worth of freeze-dried food, sleeping in the dark ocean. Horror movie. Just death, right? Well, six days in, his GPS stops working. His anchor lines are entangled in the rudder, and he's totally seasick, getting knocked around by 12-foot waves. Picture 12 feet for a moment, just battering this dude around, probably for hours. So he taps out. He doesn't even know where he is. Probably doesn't even know who he is, but he has a hand flare, and he calls his team, and he says, yep, send him out. So the Coast Guard sends out a helicopter, and they see him with his hand flare, and they bring a diver down. They rescue him and the kayak is still bobbing around. And in the article I read, he said, yeah, we're going to try to locate that kayak. I'm going to try to do this again. Hey, Surreal, um, don't. Because you can't, and you shouldn't, and you won't. Because you can't, and you won't, and you don't stop. As the Beastie Boys taught us. 
Six days, I'm giving this dude props. I would not have made it six minutes. Sadly, that's true. I guess that's how soft I am. But he said, quote, it went from bad to worse very fast. Yeah, it sounds like it went from bad to worse when you had the idea. I've talked about this story with so many friends, and they just have so many questions. I'm not even going to rehash all of my questions, but yeah, he didn't make it. No, he didn't make it. You know what his reason was, though? As the story goes, I mean, all of his friends are like, is it the rudder? Surreal, is it the rudder? Surreal, was it the waves, man? Come on, surreal, what was it? Was it being surrounded with your own feces in your kayak? Was it sleeping with sharks? And you know what Surreal said to his group of friends? Guys, come on, it was COVID-19. Hey, the callback. That's a hot punchline, folks. That's a hot one that might find its way into some other rants. All right, here's a rant. I didn't solve life, but I had a breakthrough. And you can read all the books on mindful meditation, which you should. You should read them all. Read all the books on mindful meditation. And you should have all the apps and really study Buddhism and the ways of being here now, says Ram Das. Be present and live a better life. Okay, but most of us get carried away with intense, charged-up emotions. That's most humans. We just do. We have a thought process that takes us in many different directions, and we can't get back. We can't get back to our breath, can't get back to the present moment, the calmness of the present moment. We just drift away in thought. Could be upsetting thoughts, things that make us angry, things that make us sad. Throughout the day, little things. But there's an idea of separating from those thoughts and saying, Those actually don't represent me. So you create space. Hear me out. This could help you. I'm just assuming you need help because don't we all? Clearly I do. But from what I've heard, the intense reaction you would have to anything or most things lasts about a minute. And if it lasts any longer, then it's a choice. Then you're just clinging to those thoughts. So if you release the thoughts and go, "Eh, that's not me, that's just occupying headspace, but I could create space This is even what Shaq said. I heard Shaq interviewed on Conan, and he said, I have this superpower where I can create space between feelings so I don't get charged up. Like Shaq is just naturally a meditative, calm person. Believe it or not, some people are wired this way. I have coworkers who are wired this way. My wife, she's probably just naturally a meditative person where I sweat the small stuff, I get carried away, so I actually have to adopt this as a practice. But I'm listening to a guy named Sam Harris. Some people know him. If you don't, he's a neuroscientist, a writer, an author, a philosopher, smart guy. Controversial in some ways, but smart guy. And I heard him on a podcast called Smartless with Sean Hayes, Will Arnett, Jason Bateman. One of my coworkers recommended this podcast, and it's so good. Usually it's laugh out loud, like really funny, but this was heavy. This was Sam Harris describing the value of meditation. I'm just going to play a quick excerpt of what he said. So pay attention. If you could understand this, this will change your life. The truth is, I would recommend it even if it were a little bad for you uh, in all kinds of other ways for this reason. It cancels the, the mechanism in your mind that leads you to suffer unnecessarily, right? Mm. When you look at the character of your psychological suffering, all of your worry and your anxiety and your regret and your shame and your embarrassment, all of it, right? is a matter of thinking without knowing that you're thinking. 
that's what the self is, really. I mean, the, the, the small self, the sense of being this embattled, you know, subject in the head. It, that's what it feels like to be lost in thought. I mean, you're like, right. you're, 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 you're having a conversation with yourself, paradoxically, that you're not able to inspect because you're busy identified with each new thought that springs into consciousness. I mean, so, so just to take it right down to the, you know, the, the tracks of this conversation, I'm talking and you, each of you, if you're normal people, have a voice in your heads that is competing with just listening to what I'm saying, right? So I'm saying something and you might think, well, what the fuck does that mean, right? Well, that voice in the head, what the fuck does that mean? That, for most people, that feels like a self, Right? That feels like what they are. And that just springs into view. There's no perspective on it. There's no sense of there being space around it or that there's a condition in which it's appearing. And meditation is a practice of just dropping back and recognizing thoughts, you know, images and, and, and sounds in the mind, you know, linguistic. But just you, when you, if you think of what will prevent you from having the best day of your life today, I mean, we all know what it's like to be deeply happy, uh, at least, if only for moments, right? To have a moment with your your kids or your your spouse or just yourself, just you know, watching a sunset. We all know what it's like to just fully connect with the present moment in a way that doesn't leave us looking over our own shoulder, wondering whether this is going to get good, or wondering what's going to happen a few moments from now, or thinking about the past and how to get back to. It's like it's all about this moment right here. What is the thing that prevents that from happening on demand? It is an inability to pay sufficient attention to the present moment. So that's Sam Harris on the Smartless podcast, but basically saying the moment you can identify an emotion and saying, oh, that's anger, but I'm not going to get swept away for hours into that. I'm just going to watch that thought evaporate. Then you get to live a happy life, have a happy day. And it subtly works. So my mantra has been space. Just the last few weeks after I've heard that interview, I'm just thinking about space. That's all I say in my mind. When I get pissed off about something, when I get upset about something, just space. Feel your feet on the ground. And then it's oddly like this magical power. I know this sounds a little weird, but I'm able to see after how many years? I think I learned about mindful meditation in 2013. So up until then, had no clue about it. But in 2013, I started. And now I try to do 10 minutes every single day. I don't succeed. I forget days. I slip. But there's a question of, well, does it work? And I still ask myself that question. Well, does it work? I know some people that really have like true PTSD or anxiety or depression. They're able to take a medication, a prescription, and then they know it works. But with meditation, there's a part of wondering, okay, if I adopt this practice, does it work? Because sometimes you could just lapse back into old habits and you go, shit, there it is. The monkey mind. Back to those old stressful ways. But I was talking to my buddy, Isaac, who's been on this podcast, and he's known me since I was, I think, 20 years old, which means he's known me through previous relationships. And he said to me, of all of our friends, I've seen you have this breakthrough because we were worried that you would never be able to have a happy relationship. He actually identified this. The fact that I'm happily married right now is a testament to me adopting a life of mindfulness. Now, this isn't me bragging about anything. This is not even an infomercial about meditation, but it's interesting to ask a friend if they've seen any growth within you, because sometimes you can't gauge it yourself. You do have to ask the people close to you. Hey, have you seen me make some strides? Am I improving at all? Cause I'm attempting to, but I had straight relationship anxiety 
which is an actual real thing. Like I wasn't falling in love, had girlfriends, had great girlfriends, quality people, wasn't falling in love at all. And when I met my wife, knew she was the one, but I was having panic, actual panic attacks. And I couldn't understand why, what's happening? Why can't I just enjoy it? That's when I decided to go to a therapist and the therapist said, do you know anything about meditation? I said, nope. And he introduces me to the world of mindful meditation and Sam Harris just summed it up perfectly. And that has allowed me to feel a little lighter around the heaviness. Once again, this is not me trying to act like I've mastered anything because holy shit, I still get carried away with those intense emotions where you're just reacting too quickly, impulsively. But what I've noticed is it dissipates quicker. Like when I get mad, it lasts for 10 to 15 minutes max. That's it. I don't have any memories of being mad for more than 10 to 15 minutes in the last six or seven years. That's the God's honest truth. So even though it clearly sounds like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, the Sam Harris Kool-Aid, and maybe I am, maybe I am. Maybe I just discovered a thinker that appeals to me, my sensibilities. Then I'll stay with the Kool-Aid. I'll stay with this flavor of Kool-Aid. This is okay. And that's such a morbid reference to Jonestown. So I need another reference because that's no good. But you know why I made that reference? COVID-19. Okay. I think we all have some excuses in the bag. All right. Clearly it's not an advice podcast, but if there's something in your life, like a true hurdle, I say attempt, attempt a month of this damn thing called meditation, where you try to create space between yourself and feelings by simply using mantras like space or, Hey, that's anger. That voice inside my head. Well, that's not me. I'm the one that identifies that voice. I'm the one that recognizes that that voice is just an annoying roommate. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. All right. Stop taking up space in there. We only get one of these lifetimes. All right. Quick shout out to my boy, Brandon, who designed the logo for this podcast. He turns 40 tomorrow. The big four. Oh, wow. This group of friends that goes all the way back to elementary school. The fact that we're all doing this 40th birthday stuff. Oh, God. That's one really worth celebrating. Like the Patton Oswalt bit. What birthdays are really worth celebrating? Like going big for 40. That's a big one. So happy birthday to Brandon. And then I'm going to give you the words of Drew Holcomb and the neighbors. When I say, oh, yeah. All right. Trying to make sense of it all tonight. Oh, no. Here we go. It won't be the last time. Folks, I said, oh yeah. All right. Trying to make sense of it all tonight. Oh no. Here we go. It won't be the last time. It all seemed pretty plausible, but it became impossible. The promises you made and you got betrayed and all the things that you still don't know at the end of the day. Oh yeah, oh yeah.